Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Tom, for praying for all those people. I I know that there's people in our congregation and in our lives just as individuals who are facing challenges of one kind or another. Um, Pastor Tom mentioned several prayer requests there, and those are often shared uh, through our prayer email list. And so if if you have not joined that and would like to be part of that, you can go to our website and you can sign up for that and get prayer email updates. Uh, You can also pick up a copy, a hard copy of the prayer bulletin. Uh, Here it's out in the narthex, or you can grab one online um, on on our website. Uh, Pastor Tom mentioned Jay Raymond, and for those of you who don't know Jay, uh, Jay's been awaiting a heart transplant for over two years now. If you are watching the live stream right now, the reason you can watch the live stream right now is because of Jay Raymond. Um, We we had it functional. Jay made it good uh, and and has continued to make these, these improvements and help us engage together as a community, both online during this hour and beyond. And so we're just so thankful for him and for his family. And we are, uh, we are continuing to pray as he continues to, to face the challenges that come with a heart transplant. So thank you for praying for, for them and for all the other people Tom has mentioned. Um, a couple of things uh, before, before we jump into our time. Uh, the first is this. We're looking forward to a very fun and exciting holiday season. Uh, of course, we are remaining flexible as much as we can for whatever the season holds for, for all of us. Um, but we are looking forward to celebrating the incarnation. So I want to just take a moment here and invite you to come back uh, either online or in person, God willing, uh, in December as we open the scriptures. And we're going to be looking in the gospel of Luke at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then that going into uh, the birth narrative of Jesus. And so that's going to be our week's in, um, in uh, December there. Uh, but we are not done with November. Next week we will meet as normal and then uh, we will have Thanksgiving. And so as you get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, however you are doing that this year, um, the rabbis do this. The, the, the rabbis say, find a hundred things to be thankful for each day. It's a good practice. It's, it's one that I don't do as much as I should. Uh, because one of the ways that we help fully address um, difficulty and struggle and just the, the, the things of life that can weigh us down is with thankfulness. God calls us into that time after time after time. This week, and as we go towards Thanksgiving, maybe consider saying, all right, what are, what are a whole series of things that we can be thankful for and think outside the box? Because the more that we express our thankfulness to God, the more we're reminding ourselves of what God has done for us. And so, uh, we are going to be jumping into the book of Romans today. I invite you to turn in your scripture there to Romans chapter 14. Um, last week, we, ban- began, we began sorry, a conversation. Uh, and it, it was a conversation about the strong and the weak. And what does it mean for Paul to talk to this church at Rome that he has not yet been to visit, but he perhaps knows some things about? What, what does it mean for him to instruct them in how they are to live together? Remember, the, the remaining chapters of Romans, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're all about how do we live in light of what God has done for us. 
God has saved us. God has redeemed us. We were once in sin. We are justified by grace through faith. We become sanctified more and more each day as the Holy Spirit works in us. God, God takes us on this journey. And then we come to Romans chapter 12. And he says, therefore, in view of what God has done for you, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which means God cares about how we live. He cares about the various things that we face every day. And he talks about this in chapter 14 and going into 15. He talks about the strong and the weak. Now, the strong, I suggested to you last week, are those people whose conscience permits them to do something as unto the Lord. Okay, so, so we're not talking about a thing that is expressly forbidden in the scripture. We're talking about these disputable matters or these difficult issues in which you say, mm, can I, can't I? Because the Bible seems to be a little bit silent on it. All right, there's some leeway here. And certainly within this Roman and Jewish church, all right, this is a, a group of followers of Jesus, but part of them stem from a Roman background, part of them stem from a Jewish background. How do we live together as God's people? Because God cares deeply about us living together as God's people. He does not desire us to be isolated and to be set apart from each other in doing our own thing in our own silo. He wants us to dwell together. But how do we do that knowing that we all come from a different array of backgrounds? So the stronger, those people whose conscience permits them to do something is unto the Lord. And then the weak are those people whose conscience does not permit them to do something. Um, in, in Some of the examples he gives are days, food, drink, and so on. And he gives commands to both of them. He tells the strong, he says, don't judge people who don't eat everything. And he tells the weak, don't criticize people who eat everything. And so you're like, all right, but how do then we live in this tension? How do we live in a way that we are together and yet, oh, I do this, they do this. How do we put this thing together? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to bring over our kitchen table here for this morning. Um, this is our kitchen table or our dining room table because we're going to talk about table fellowship in the first century period. Um, before we do that, would you stand with me, please, and let us read the scripture together. We are going to pick it up in Romans chapter 14, verse 13 and following. All right. There's a lot of therefores. So just pay attention to that as we go through. Uh, Romans 14, verse 13. Therefore... Let us no longer criticize one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in your brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. For your brother is hurt by what you eat. You are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy the one Christ died for by what you eat. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating, it's not drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but... But it is wrong for a man to cause stumbling by what he eats. It is a noble thing not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that makes your brother stumble. Do you have a conviction? Keep it to yourself before God. 
The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because he, his eating is not from conviction, and everything that is not from conviction is sin. Read with me, please, the beginning of Romans 15. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, for even the Messiah did not please himself. <clears throat> on the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another, according to the command of the Messiah Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. These are the words of God. Let's pray together. God, we pray for a united mind and a united voice. God, we pray for a sensitivity to your spirit that we might walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. God, I pray that you'd give us a great love for one another, such that would become very evident to those around us that we are followers of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So, last week I gave you four principles for walking, just in keeping with reminders. Uh, the first principle is this. Um, doubtful issues must not divide God's people. All right? Doubtful issues must not divide God's people. Because if God has accepted someone, so must we. And we talked a little bit about what it means to accept and how that word actually refers to um, busting your clique, the clique of people that you run with or the people uh, that, that are like you, that, that um, you are okay them being in your circle. Rather, we are to look at to those who are followers of Jesus and say, welcome, you are my brother. Welcome, you are my sister. Regardless of where we are at or regardless of where they are at. Principle number two, the strong must not look down upon the weak. The weak must not criticize the strong. Okay? Principle number three, um, each person is accountable to the Lord. Therefore, live your life for the Lord. Okay? Ultimately, we all stand before God, which should cause us to go, one day I'm going to stand before God. <laughs> he is the judge. All right? And yet... Um, we sometimes act as though we are judges of other people. The only time in which we are to judge someone else's behavior is when it is in contradiction to Scripture. And then we are to go and we are to lovingly seek to restore them. Whole another conversation for a whole another time. And then finally, the fourth principle I shared with you is our one mind and one purpose as believers in Jesus is to glorify God together. Romans 15, 6. And so um, the diagnostic question for daily decisions is, is my desire in this area of my life to glorify God or is it something else? If it's to glorify God, that's awesome. If it's something else, then we need to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the Lord. So with all that said, um, there is a series of three therefores in this passage, okay? Uh, there's one in Romans 14, verse 13. There's another one in verse 16. And then there's a so then. And this is, I, I'm working with the HCSB translation here. But so then in verse 19 is kind of an, uh, it's like a therefore with an underline underneath it. There's a couple of words there, but, but, but it's a so then as a result, here is what we do. 
And um, what we are talking about today is fellowship. So he says, don't criticize one another. Love your brother. And he says this by deciding never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in your brother's way. So what is he talking about? Well, one of the things that he begins to mention and have a conversation about are food and drink. In the prior section, he was talking about days as well. Some people um, look at a day as one being more holy than the next. You should be convinced of this in your own mind. But today we are going to talk primarily about food. Uh, and so as you walked in, if you are on our campus here, you may have noticed that the, that the, um, the hallways smelled a little bit different than they perhaps do on a Sunday morning because we have some pizza here today. Okay. Now, in full, in full disclosure, I lost track of time, and it got a little darker than what I was going for. So, yeah, it's a little dark. But we have two different kinds of pizza here. Why do we have two different kinds of pizza here? It's an illustration, okay? One is cheese. It's very dark cheese. <laughs> very sorry for that. I shouldn't tell you I used to work at a pizza shop. <laughs> Not my day this morning for cooking pizza. The other one is not a cheese pizza. I don't know if you can tell because of the color, but we have pepperoni on this pizza. All right? Enter the first century. Enter the first century church. They're gathered at Rome. Part of it's Jewish, part of it's Gentile. The question is, what do we do about potlucks? All right? Brass tacks. What do we do about potlucks? We come together and we have people within our community, some who are okay to eat all of this, some who are okay to eat all of this, but some who are not okay to eat this. And why are they not okay? Well, there's a couple of things going on here. So a couple of reasons why a certain type of food may not be okay. The first one is this. In the context um, of, of Roman culture, there would be gifts and offerings that are given at pagan temples. And then they would come and they would sell that meat outside the pagan temple. Many people were hurt in their conscience that they, to the point that they would not want to consume meat that had been offered to idols. Right? Some people were okay with it. And actually, in 1 Corinthians, Paul has a whole chapter just talking about this. So you think potlucks are not a big deal? It's a huge deal. How do you eat something when you're gathered together? Um, moreover, you have people, some who grew up in a Jewish frame of reference. And so there are certain um, guidelines. We talked a little, about this a little bit last week. There are certain guidelines in various cultures for eating or not eating certain things. Egyptians had them. Romans had them. Jews definitely had them. There were certain things, pork, shellfish, that, that they would not eat because in the Levitical commands that God had given his people Israel in Leviticus 11, he said, don't eat these. And so they said, okay, we won't eat those. How then do we walk in right relationship? How do we gather together? How do we engage with one another and build up the body, which is what he talks about in verse 19, you know, pursue what promotes peace and build up one another. How do we do that when we eat two different things? <laughs> All right. So he says this, he says, instead, um, instead of criticizing, decide never to put a stumbling block or a pitfall in your brother's way. 
All right? And then he has this like little sidebar conversation. I have it in parentheses in verse 14. I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in, in and of itself. And he's probably referencing something that Jesus said in the Gospels, where he says, uh, he's, he's talking about that really what, what is defiling is what comes out of your heart. What comes out of your mouth? You think it's what you put in. It's actually what really defiles you is what comes out. Malice, anger, greed, envy, all these types of things. But he says, still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. For if your brother is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So his point here is he wants his people, his hearers, to walk in love. Part of that means relationship. And so he comes down to it and he says, do not destroy the one Christ died for by what you eat. So what happens? You come to the first century potluck. Someone has this. The person who in their conscience believes it is wrong to eat this goes, I can't eat this. And it restricts the ability to have fellowship. All right. This real life. I don't know if you have anybody in your life like this. I, I, I grew up within a tradition that has certain dietary things that they follow. Like I grew up a vegetarian, okay? I had my first burger at 16. I know you all are shocked maybe right now unless there's a couple of vegetarians in the room. I, I know that there are a few here. Um, but, but, but so you, you grow up in a certain sphere and you go, I'm out of my sphere. What do I do now? Because I've lived my life thinking this is the way you live but what do I do now? And Paul says in chapter 15, he says, now we who are strong, we have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. In the church community, Paul expects his hearers and commands and teaches lovingly his hearers. How do you walk in a potluck where people don't eat everything? You put one away. Why? Because you want to prioritize people. You want to walk in love. Now, does it mean that it's wrong to eat that? Not necessarily. But it's wrong, Paul says, if we force, as people who are strong, whose conscience can handle something like that, it's wrong if we force someone whose conscience is weak to engage in something that they believe is not honoring to the Lord. Get how sticky this gets really quickly. You're like, oh, what do I have when they come over? What do I have when they come over? But this is living life together. He says, do not damage people because of what you eat. The freedom of conscience in many things can be a disputable matter, but it should not damage. And, and I love the word, um, where is it? The word uh, in verse 15, it says, do not destroy the one Christ died for by what you eat. You could also translate that word destroy as damage. Don't, don't damage the one Christ died for by what you eat. And he says, then he goes into the second therefore clause here. And he says, therefore, do not let your good be slandered. All right. So he, he uses this example, but, but he wants his people, his hearers to do good. He doesn't want them to tear down people in their faith. He wants them to build them up. He says, therefore, do not let your good be slandered for the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking or eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
All right, righteousness, peace, and joy are markers of the kingdom, all right? Righteousness is a very important word in the scripture. It it has to do with something um, that we do not manufacture ourselves on the one hand, because the reason we can stand before Christ is because Christ stands with us. Our righteousness is something that will never get us into heaven. It's only the righteousness of God that gets us into heaven. It's only the righteousness of God that, that allows us to, to spend eternity with God. But there's also a practical righteousness at play here. All right? So there's righteousness on that one side. On the other side, righteousness is how, um, how we live, a certain way of living, a, a series of righteous acts and walking. And he, he wants our lives to be marked, of course, by the righteousness of God through salvation in um, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But he also wants our lives to be righteous living as unto God and walking and loving our brother, loving our sister. And so he, he, he says, I, I want you not to be worried so much about what you eat or drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace, one writer said, is everything that makes for man's highest good. It's a state of relationship between man and man, or man and woman, or woman and woman. It it refers to a way that we interact together as people and as followers of Jesus. Peace is not just an absence of conflict. It It's this good, positive relationship that is founded in the work of Christ in our life. Joy is kind of similar to this. It's it's not pleasing oneself, but it's interdependent in a sense. As we seek to please others, as the Holy Spirit directs, there's there's this growth and this fruit of joy in our life. See, as followers of Jesus, and as people sometimes in the West, we, we like to say, what benefits me and how do I walk in a way that I like? Paul's concern is that you wouldn't walk and we wouldn't walk in a way that would be primarily to please ourselves, but it would be to please God and to serve our brother. And because we are different, learning how to serve our brother and our sister can take different shapes and forms. Um, one of the things um, that young married couples learn in the first several years of marriage is, oh, is my wife a words of affirmation person or a quality time person? Do they like it when I take out the trash or do they like it when I put down my phone so that I'm listening? Do, do, do they like this or this or this? And that's part of what walking together is like. It's like, how do I serve that person? Oh, here is a practical way in which I can serve them and love them in a meaningful way in their lives. So righteousness, peace, and joy are are to be these markers of the kingdom. But I love that it has this phrase at the end. It's not just righteousness, peace, and joy as though they exist in and of themselves. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think one of the things that Paul has as an underlying principle as is this, as followers of Jesus, we are to be walking closely with God. The more closely we walk with God through the reading of his word, through the yielding of our lives to the Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us what is right and what is true, the more perceptive we are 
to the good that can be done around us and in through us. See, God, God never designed us to manufacture goodness in, our, in and of our own self. He calls us to follow. He calls us to be obedient. But he recognizes that as followers of Jesus, our, our, our lives are marked. They're marked by working of God's spirit within us. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, think back to the time in your life before you knew the Lord. Think about what your life was like. Now, think about your life today. Maybe it's been three months. Maybe it's been six months. Maybe it's been five years. Maybe it's been 15 or 20. Maybe it's been 50. Think about where you were before Christ. Think about where you are by God's grace today. There's a lot of growth that has taken place. Some ups, some downs, some struggles that you probably still deal with. I, I remember talking to um, uh, Barb Taylor, one of, one of our, our dearly loved um, saints here and seniors here who passed away this last year. I remember talking to her a couple years ago, and she said, man, the, the more I follow Jesus, the more I just realize I don't look as much like him as I should. I appreciated that. I appreciated that because she's walked with Jesus for a long time. And she had this wisdom to say, I'm not there yet. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is begin to make us sensitive to God's word and to God's heart and say, no, live this way. Let me help you. No, live this way. Let me live through you. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. The only way to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in its fullness is this close walking with God, acknowledging that God is above us, that God is our authority, yielding our will to his, asking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our actions. So, so we have two therefores. We have this first therefore, don't criticize one another. Don't put a stumbling block. The second therefore in verse 16, don't let your good be slandered. The kingdom of God is for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he says, says this, whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approved by men. And in verse 19, we come to another so then, all right? So then, we must pursue what promotes peace and builds up one another. That is such a great application verse. Think to yourself, next time you're in a situation, what would promote peace here? What would build up someone else? The more we think about a question like that, the more it gives us new lenses to see the situation. He says this in verse 20. He says, do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but, for, <clears throat> but it is wrong for a man to cause stumbling by what he eats. He says, it's a noble thing not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that makes your brother stumble. All right? So, um, eat meat or drink wine. So I had this thought, this creative sermon idea this week, and I wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And in the last minute, I decided not to do this. Um, one of the things, of course, in this first century period is meat. Uh, that's not meat. That's meat. Um, meat offered to idols and or kosher is part of the thing that comes in. The other thing that he talks about is alcohol. He talks about wine here. He says, uh, some people drink it, some people do not. All right? In the ancient period, there's a couple of reasons why you might not drink alcohol. 
Um, the first one is this. Uh, you might not drink it because it leads you to drunkenness. <laughs> and that's, to drink or not to drink is not the question. The question is, do you become drunk? All right, that's Paul's command in another letter. He says, don't, don't drink wine that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because Paul deeply desires people to be filled with the Spirit, not filled with other things. So that's one reason why you might not drink. There's also um, Nazarite vows in the Hebrew Bible where specific commands on people. John the Baptist was another one whose life, you know, when the angel came to his mother, he said, this, this man is not to drink, all right? It's part of John's ministry. Um, a- another reason that you might not drink in the ancient times is because just like there is meat that is sacrificed to idols, there's what is known as libation offerings, okay? Libation, it's just a big word. It- it's, a- it's an offering that is given to the gods. And so they would take a-, a-, a skin of wine and they would put it and they would offer it to a god and they're like, we don't want to drink that wine because it was offered to an idol, to a false god, much in the same way that meat offered to idols could have been. So so that's at play. Um, We do know, of course, that the Jewish people drank wine. The ancient people drank wine. There were several reasons for it. Number one um, was because it was a part of a harvest. Uh, Everything was used in the ancient period. All right, nothing went to waste. There's also no refrigeration. And so after you press a grape, you wait a couple hours and it's starting to ferment in a hot, arid climate. Um, In addition to that, oftentimes wine would be mixed, oftentimes two parts water to one part wine or three parts water to one part wine, and it would be added to water in part because of sanitation. That's another thing that's at play here. But we find in Jewish tradition, you know, you have a Passover Seder. There are four cups of wine. When Jesus' disciples, all right, we're kind of jumping around a few places here. When Jesus' disciples are with him at the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus is to be arrested, and he goes to Peter, James, and John, he says, I want you to stay awake and pray. I suggest to you, it may have been late, but they also had four glasses of wine at the Passover Seder just a couple um, hours prior. So there's a lot of things going on here. It was, it was a joy. It was a sign of joyness and gladness in the scripture. Ecclesiastes um, tells us to, to enjoy the good gifts of God, one of those being that within its proper context. So I had this dilemma. I was like, mm, I'll do pizza, cheese, pepperoni. I'll do grape juice, and I'll do wine. And then I decided not to. Why? As I was thinking about this more. So then we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. He says, do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong for a man to cause stumbling by what he eats. It's a noble thing not to eat meat or to drink wine or do do anything that would make your brother stumble. Okay, the point is there is anything that would make your brother stumble. Because in verse 22, he says, do you have a conviction? Keep it to yourself before God. Keep it to yourself before God. The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats it because his eating is not from conviction and everything that is not from conviction or from faith is sin. Now, it may or may not be a sin for you to drink a glass of wine or to eat a certain kind of meat or to worship on a certain day. 
But one of the things in the body of Christ is that we have such a sensitivity to other people's hearts that we know, okay, what is going to build someone up here? What is going to promote peace? And what might promote peace in your life may not be that which promotes peace in mine. All right? We each have a past. We each have a context in which we live in a walk that has been characterized by certain things. When it comes to alcohol, for example, I am not offended if someone has a glass of wine. I'm not. Perfectly fine. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. But I also come from a family who my uncle was an alcoholic. And it becomes a very different thing in that context. We must always be conscious that what we do builds up and loves practically the people around us. And sometimes that will look different for one person than for another. But we promote peace, we promote the building up because God cares about people. He cares about people. He actually says it's a, it's a good thing it's a noble thing to change your behavior so that you don't cause your brother to act against his, his own conscience. Now, this does not mean that you change your conscience, and it actually doesn't mean that you don't talk about it. Because sometimes we just put it aside and we just don't address it, and it becomes like an elephant in the room. He doesn't say that either. I, I think that there's good dialogue and good interaction that we as followers of Jesus can and should have about debatable issues. What day do you worship on? What kind of church do you go to? What do you do with 53 acres of land in Quincy and 104th? There is good and meaningful conversation. But we must always come back to what honors the Lord? What, what, what would please him the most? And it's okay if people find themselves in two different corners sometimes. It's okay. See, I think one of the things Paul is saying here is a lot of times we want to make people look more like us than look like Jesus. When Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, he says this way, it's at the end of the whole discourse, he says, follow me, okay, look at me, follow me as I follow Christ. What Paul cares about is that the way people would see God's working in his life is that when they look at him, they see Jesus at work. That, that Jesus is be the most important, the most paramount, the most dynamic thing about Paul. And the most dynamic thing about a follower of Jesus is their master. But oftentimes we want to let people follow us or look more like us than look more like Jesus. Paul is very concerned, I believe, that we do everything we engage in everything possible to build up Christ in people's lives. Um, a couple of final thoughts. Um, as I was thinking, uh, it's like, okay, so you're faced with an issue. How do I respond in this issue? All right? So, so may, maybe it's over food. Maybe it's over drink. Maybe it's over a day. Those are the three given there. Maybe it's over something here. Do you go to a movie or do you not? All right. Depending on where you come from, depending on your upbringing, that can affect that in your conscience level. 
what you watch on a certain day. Like, I, I, I remember as a kid, we observed uh, Friday night, uh, the beginning of Shabbat, uh, to Saturday, we had no TV on in the house, all right? We had no TV. It was just, it was just understood. That was, that was a time of, like, cessation of that. And so um, if I was ever around people who were doing that, it was like, okay, this is kind of weird because I would just, just wasn't used to it. How, how do you walk as followers of Jesus when you have different ways? Different ways based upon conviction and doubtful issues, not maybe based upon the clarity of Scripture. Well, I wanted to give you a couple of just questions maybe to ask yourself of how do we know if we are walking in liberty and love? And I I give them to you uh, as a starting point at least. The first one is this. How do I know if I'm walking in liberty and love? Ask this question. Am I acting within the teaching of Scripture? All right? Is Scripture guiding what I'm doing? Because we must always start here. If we are doing something or engaging in something that God's Word clearly teaches against, then we need to very much repent and reconsider a different walk. We need to ask God for grace, for forgiveness, and say, God, would you help me in this area of my life? To honor and to follow you. All right? That's where scripture is like absolutely clear. Um, we talked about some examples last week. You know, 1 Corinthians talks about sexual immorality. That's one of them um, among many. So am I, teach, am I acting within the teaching of scripture? Number two, uh, am I walking in love with the body of Christ? All right? Am I walking in love with the body of Christ? Another way you could ask that question is, am I prioritizing right fellowship with my brother or sister? Or am I forcing someone to go against their conviction before the Lord? All right? So so in the way that I interact with the body, am I prioritizing people over eating, drinking, and all these kind of things? People always come first. Honoring and building up people is the priority here. Um, third question, um, does righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit describe my walk? All right? If you just take a pause and think of your last two or three days, were they marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? That's what God would want for you today. Right? If it hasn't been marked by that, Maybe go back this afternoon, take a few moments with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. God, would would you show me how to do that? Maybe even make this passage a memory verse for you so that you can not just write the words on your mind, but you can write them on your mind and then get them to your heart. Think about them. Dwell on them. Is my life marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? Does that describe my spiritual walk? Uh, Fourthly, uh, am I pursuing the things that promote peace and they build up the body? Or am I seeking my own good or my own kingdom? Um, In January, God willing, we are going to be talking about what it means to seek God's kingdom. We're going to be doing a a sermon series on the kingdom. And um, Jesus says in the disciples' prayer, one of his prayers is that your kingdom would come God, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice he doesn't teach his disciples to pray, my kingdom come, like me, 
as in Jeremy. My will be done, me as in Jeremy. He teaches us to pray, God, I want your kingdom and your will to be that which drives my life. Are you pursuing the things that promote peace and build up the body? Or are we pursuing our own good and our own kingdom? In matters of conscience, I think Paul is saying this, do everything we can to preserve the unity of God's people. Because what matters most is that we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. That can be a challenge. So let us pray. God, we come dependent upon you today. God, in and of our own self, we cannot pursue all these things. God, we need your spirit to to teach us. We need your spirit to reveal heart issues within our lives and sin issues within our lives. And God, we need need you to show us where we need to be more sensitive, more uh, aware of the surroundings that we are within. Because God, we want to promote peace, right relationship with one another. We also want to build the body. We want to build up followers of Jesus. And that can look different. God, give us grace to know what it should look like with each relationship we have in our lives. Lord, give us humility. Give us humility to be able to walk in love. Love is not proud. Your word says that. It it doesn't rejoice in its own end. It rejoices with the things that are true. It rejoices with being conscious about the small and the big things in our life. But God, we need your spirit to walk with us. Thank you, God, for your presence in our life. Thank you, Lord, even for the moments that we have had here this morning to take a pause out of our week, uh, maybe busy, maybe not, but to have our heart and our mind focused upon you and your word. God, as we seek to go forth from here in a few minutes, uh, help us to engage meaningfully in dialogue. Help us to learn more what it means to love our brother. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.